Hey, thanks for joining us here on The House Podcast. We hope that you are encouraged by this message. If you want to learn more about The House, check out our website at welcometothehouse.com or download The House app. Come on, and everybody said amen. Look at someone real quick. Look at them. Welcome. Say welcome to the house. Give a fist bump. Give a head nod. What's up? Come on, have a seat. Have a seat. Have a seat. Have a seat. We are so glad that you are here. Um, we weren't even supposed to be here today. We weren't supposed to be here today. We are actually, if you go to this stoplight and you go one mile down on Olive Street, we have a brand new, not, not, not brand new for, for Rogers, but brand new for us. We have a new facility that's been uh, changed, fixed, renovated. Uh, how many of y'all have seen it painted? Come on, it's painted. And so um, we were going to do an outside service today, but uh, with the rain and what's going on, and we, we still had this place for a couple of weeks, we thought that it would be less distracting uh, for you to be able to have some some God conversation without the rain coming all on you. So we are going to try to do it next week. And here's the thing. I have been more wrong in the last six weeks than more, most in my life. Uh, and I'm not that right, but I've just been more wrong. You know what I'm saying? And so this is the term that I'm going to start using at this time. At this time. Come on, everybody just say, at this time. At this time, we are planning to have an outside service next week. We need you to like and follow our social media. We also have a website, welcometothehouse.com slash move in. And we're updating that all the time. Because here's what I have found out in the last couple weeks. I know nothing. <laughs> I am worse than the weatherman. Okay? Uh, you know, and so I'm like... I have no idea where we're going to be. I know we will be meeting. Come on, somebody. And so at this time, our plan is for you to bring some lawn chairs for us to have and gather under the awning. We will have uh, kind of a VBS kids experience. Um, we are going to keep the babies in, uh, but we'll do toddlers and we'll do kids. And so... At this time, that is the plan, and right now, you know as much as I know, okay? Uh, can we all acknowledge that there are moments of tension in life? There are ten there, There's tension in life. Some of it's good, some of it's bad, but when you look up the word tension, it actually means the state of being stretched tight. How many of you ever felt like that rubber band? That's like, come on, like you're in a moment and you are stretched. And I don't care how tough you are. I don't care what you bench press. There is a moment where you realize we're coming to the end of this. And you kind of get flinch ready. You know what I'm talking about? Like it's about to pop. Because if you've ever popped yourself stretching the rubber band too far and I feel like <laughs> some of us feel like we're at our breaking point like if I go any further it's gonna pop it's gonna get bad it's gonna hurt and 
I think my challenge for us today, and as I've been walking through all of the changes of where we're going to be, what we're going to do, and how to, and finishing the project, um, in a time of prayer, I was just like, God, you know, there's, there's a lot of tension. We're stretching our staff, our people, or whatever. I, I just, I want to be able to meet, and I want to be in. We were supposed to be in like two or three weeks ago. And I really felt like as God, I was in my time with the Lord, he was like, listen, sometimes... Tension has to be resisted, and sometimes tension has to be welcomed. And most of the time in our life, God is... So, so we believe that God has orchestrated moments of tension in our lives. God ordained tension seasons where you are stretching and that stretching is good because the goal of the believer is not complacency. The goal of the believer is not easy. The goal of the believer, come on somebody, is not comfortable. And so God will orchestrate moments in your life to stretch you beyond your capacity because ultimately he has good things for you and he wants you to, to fulfill all of the purpose and destiny in your life. And so most of us won't knowingly throw another 25 pounds on the bar. Most of us knowingly uh, won't just wake up one day and say, I'm going to run a mile. And then tomorrow I'm going to run two. And then you actually get to 26 point whatever. Like, 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 like most of us don't do that. And so God in his loving goodness puts us in situations that will expand us. How many can look over their life and they've been in an expanding moment where it was terrible then, but looking back, it was actually something really positive. Come on, come on. Okay. Then there are enemy attacking tensions. And these are, it's not just stretching you, but the enemy's goal is to try to break you. Okay, he's trying to break you. He longs to attack you. Listen, with negative emotions, anxiety, worry, feeling stuck. And I've found myself wrestling with both of these as we've tried to maneuver forward. The good part of the tension is God has used this building project to help and stretch my leadership, communication, intentionality, and my faith. Okay? I don't know if four or five years ago I had the desire and I had the dream for a location, but I didn't know if I had the faith to see it manifest. So I needed some stretching, okay? Then there is the, uh, uh, you can't do it, it's not going to happen, it's not going to be fulfilled, and that is the breaking, trying to discourage, come on, trying to harm, trying to, trying to, uh, tempt you, overwhelm you, discourage you, discredit you. And I just want you to know that if you're feeling that right now, you're in a battle. You're in a battle. That isn't just self-talk. That is the enemy trying to come after you because the goal of the enemy, so God is life and life more abundantly. But the enemy is actually, the Bible says he has fiery darts and he's always hurling these at you. And so we are all tempted with the glory, the gold, and the girl, or, or the guy. It's it, it, lust of the flesh, the pride of life. Come on, somebody. The lust of the eyes. That's his three darts. And they're always being hurled at you all the time. Okay? And so today as we talk about this, 
Um, I want to help us avoid some traps. And I want us to welcome the tension so that we can grow into who God's called us to be. Amen? Come on. None of us want to fall into the enemy's traps. Every time God is moving us into more, there will be tension. Everybody say tension. There will be tension when you move into more. Okay? Listen, we have to not only recognize it, but we have to welcome it. The enemy will never stop attacking your mind and your body. He will never stop. There are times that you will have to resist it. The Bible tells us resist the enemy and he will what? Come on, flee from you. But there's times that you're going to have to overcome the enemy. Like you're going to have to, here's what you're saying to me, but here's what God is saying to me. And I've got to decide what I'm going to agree with. So I'm going to go with what God says. Even though it doesn't look naturally sound, I believe the word and the seeds that it will produce in my life. So I'm not going to go with how I feel, but I'm actually going to go with what is real and God's word is more real than what you're experiencing right now come on does that make sense thank you for the golf clap I'll take all I can get come on let, let's see if our hands work come on one two three there you go there you go awesome today I, I want to look at the story of David and Goliath and in this account I believe that you're going to find some biblical truths that are going to help you welcome the tension in your life. And this is going to be like a two-part miniseries, so come back. Next week's probably going to be better. Um, but, but I want to welcome the tension in our life. Turn to someone and say, welcome the tension. Come on. Welcome the tension. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 says this. For we are God's workmanship. Like, so here, stop. There's something pretty special about you. And I'm not trying to be like this over-positive Zen guru. The Bible actually says that you, you, you are the workmanship of the Lord. I don't care how you were conceived. I don't care if you knew your dad. I don't care if you knew your mom. I don't care at what adversity you found yourself in as a child. Come on. I need you to know that the DNA going through you, you are God's workmanship. Look at this. Look at this. Okay? Created in Christ Jesus for good works. You were created to do good, to do good works. Come on. Maybe no one ever told you that. Maybe they, they said, oh, my God, you're so frustrating. Oh, my God, you're so crazy. Oh, my God, you're so whatever. But God is saying that you were actually created to be a funnel of good works. Okay? That God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Well, how do we walk in the good works that he has for us? How do we actually do that with all the cares and concerns and heart, hurts and hardships of this world? You were created for good works. But the enemy is trying to pack you so full of lies and bondage. The goal is that he wants to oppress you. Come on oppress you how many when you were younger you stepped on ants okay the enemy is wanting to use personalities um, uh, things that you're not good at and he is trying to make that the anthem of your life so that you only think how bad you are 
And then, after a long period of time, you're just being oppressed. Does that make sense? So that you go to church and you hear about a loving Jesus. And I'm sure, yeah, absolutely, he should love me because nobody else does. Because I pretty much suck. I'm terrible. You, you hear what I'm saying? But the enemy's job is, is to fill you so that you never recognize the good, listen, that's in you. That the good that can come out of you. That's what I, that's what I mean. Okay. We understand tension when we get to the gym. We understand tension when we want to tighten a fixture. There's actually belts in your car that they have to be tight in order to function. The reason we are okay with tension in these places is because tension provides stability. We actually are not as stable when there isn't some tension going on in our life. It actually, tension produces growth. And for all of us as a believer, listen, we should all be growing into the fullness of what God has for us. And we are never done growing. Can I tell you that discipleship is not a class? It's a lifestyle. And every new year, I, there is another revelation of where I need to grow in. Every time I get a little bit more freedom, I realize I need a lot more freedom. Every time I get a little bit more clarity, come on. Every time I begin to see it differently, I, I see that there's more to see. And that's the God's design because he's wanting to heal you so that the good in you can and come on, listen, expand. For us, we want to make sure that we welcome the tension. And my assignment today, the, the sermon series is welcome the tension. But my assignment today is just a normal day. We're going to have to get back, church, to winning the normal days. To, 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 because I, what I believe the Bible teaches us is if we live normal days well, then we will build a supernatural story and we will see supernatural works happen in the normal everyday living. We're going to read a long portion of text today, 1 Samuel 17. And, and I'm going to ask you next week to do something that is going to be extremely hard. I'm, I'm just going to tell you it's going to be extremely hard. It, it's going to be... Uh, more difficult than me asking you to bring a big check, okay? Uh, and so some of you, like, if you just, you're, you're looking at where that fits. Um, uh, bringing a big check financially, if you want to do that, you can. Uh, but, but that would be number two. But next week, I'm going to ask you to do something really, really hard. I'm going to ask you to bring a Bible, okay? Uh, and I know it's crazy for church. But, but if you have a Bible or maybe a phone app or maybe something on your phone, like, you, like something that you can begin to to open up and look because we're not going to have any screens next week uh and we're, we're going to go old church you know what i'm saying and so uh i know it's crazy that puts the responsibility on you and you know what but just think about working out think about like like i'm actually carrying more than i usually do so bring your 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 bible and that would be awesome okay first samuel 17 okay we are going to read this whole section because it needs context now i'm gonna i'm gonna catch us up and normally I don't spend this long, but I think that a lot of times people read David and Goliath. And uh, because it's so popular and because it's been put into movies and anecdotes and uh, the team going against the better team and, and all of that, I think that we miss some of the spiritual connections that I think we need to really absorb this into our heart. So here, here is the background. When we start reading David and Goliath here in 1 Samuel 17, we've got to go back and realize that King Saul was the first king of Israel, okay? 
He was number uno. He was the first. And up to that point, God directed the nation of Israel, the people, through a family, then a man, come on, then a prophet. So God was the instigator, the general, the leader of his people. And Israel finally got to the place where they wanted kings like everybody else. And so they went to the prophet and said, look, hey, um, we actually want kings. We want to be like everybody else. It's too hard to explain. Who do you follow? Who's, who's your leader? And we're like God, Yahweh. And, and it's, it gets weird. And so I say I am. And they're like, you am what? And it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's a difficult conversation. So it would just be better if we had a king. And so their request was actually a rejection of God. They rejected God. They didn't, basically we want man, think about this, God creator of the world, and now someone is saying, a group of your people are saying, we actually want a man which you created to lead us. Okay? God accepted their request, but he gave them a warning. The warning was, I... I will do this, and I will allow it, but I need you to know that once you place a man over you, you are, gonna con- you are going to be subjected to his passions, his wickedness, his evil, his greed, his pride. He's going to take your daughters. He's going to tax you. He's going to be well off, and you're going to be serving him. And they said, give us the king. I, I need to say that because we were not created to be ruled by man. God created us to be under his rule. You know, God created us to speak to us in the garden and walk with us and help us. That, that doesn't mean that now the infrastructures and the things that are set up in Leviticus and we do honor manly authority. Okay, I'm not saying that. But the idea was that we would have a personal relationship with God and he would lead us. Much like the Holy Spirit is in us today who is the teacher and the revealer of truth. Come on, say amen. Because right, I, I, I want to help us. So Saul is the king. But he rebels, meaning three different times he rebels and he chooses what the people want over what God wants, okay? And so when Saul was king, God anointed him, okay? God anointed him. In the old covenant, there are three groups that God anointed. He anointed the prophets, he anointed the priests. And he anointed the kings. Why is the anointing so important? Because it was God's power manifested on man. So when you read about what the prophets did, calling out fire, doing this, doing this, they were under, come on, listen, the power of God, and they had a different set of authority, and they had the right to tell principalities, powers, darkness, they had the right. Does that make sense? Priests had the right. Aaron had the right. Kings, there was a spiritual um, authority on their life, and it was actually like the Green Lantern in Force Field. 
Okay? And so the enemy would try to attack, but when you're anointed, there is this layer of resistance. You can still make choices, but the enemy cannot overcome you. Does that, everybody track on with me? Okay. Saul rebelled and God removed the anointing from Saul and placed it on David. You got to know that. Okay, because if you don't know that, then you'll think that David was just a, a super courageous young man, and he was awesome, and he was just better than another man. It was the anointing in his life that made the difference. He was anointed, he sat in an office, and that's why he was able to do some of the things he did. Everybody, everybody with me? Okay. As soon as the anointing was taken off of Saul, evil, demonic, Spirits started to mess with his mind. Okay? I'm not giving you Dr. Strange uh, multiverse of madness stuff. I'm just, the reality is he could not fight off the attack of the enemy. He was a leader without spiritual protection. That's why the Bible encourages us, regardless of what party you're in, you have to pray for leaders because they are experiencing something that you're not experiencing. Think about Russia and uh, Ukraine. They are strategically trying to destroy any pocket of leadership. That's what the enemy does. It's very easy in our culture to turn on a YouTube and judge another pastor. But I need you to know, even in the new covenant, Jesus, when he said, it is finished, what did that mean? The veil was ripped. There is now a relationship between God and man. We don't need an in-between. And when we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit begins to enter us. And we have the ministry of reconciliation. And there is a level of anointing in our life. Does it make sense? Now, we see that the five-fold ministry is another level. Not greater than. Don't. Don't. Don't hear what I'm not saying. But the fivefold in Ephesians, um, Ephesians chapter 4, there is an anointing to lead. We all, once we accept Jesus, have the Holy Spirit beginning to move inside of us. If you want to know more about the Holy Spirit, you can take our freedom course. We actually believe that when you get saved, the Holy Spirit comes in. It teaches that. But then there is a, a baptism of the Holy Spirit, and we can talk about that later, okay? But I'm just trying to get us all on the page. I'm doing a lot of background so that when we read this story, you're like, yo, I get it, okay? David is anointed. Saul, the anointing, has removed. Because if you don't get that point, then you don't know why Saul was scared, to go fight Goliath when he had been in like 12 battles before. He knew the anointing is not on my life. I have no protection. And if I walk out there, I'm going to die. That's why he didn't go out there. Okay, does it make sense? You as the body of Christ have the anointing in you to be a minister of reconciliation. Okay? There are three concepts that we really build our church around. And I'm going to give you these three and then we're going to jump into the story. Are you good? Yeah. Are you learning something? Yeah. Okay. 
When we first started our church, we're actually six years old. When we first started our church, as Katie and I were praying, we really got from the Lord that we are going to be a church that operates in love. The Bible says that love covers a multitude of sin. Okay? And, and, and we, to the best of our ability, uh, we've, we've tried to do that. We didn't done it perfect, but to the best of our ability, we've tried, listen, to, to love the unlovely, to love those who are not there yet, and to realize that, that listen, uh, we cannot tell people how to act before they know that we love them for who they are. Let me break this down for you. Many churches have like five or six or seven sins that they're going to accept. But then they have 12 or 13 that they're not. Love covers a multitude of sin. All of them. So we're not going to be the church that's, okay, um, what sin are we going to accept? Oh, okay, we'll take a little gluttony. We'll take a little gluttony. Uh, we'll, uh, it'll be ugly, but we'll take a little porn. We'll take a, take a, we'll take a little porn, but not, 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 not like crazy stuff. Just like, you know, just a little. We'll take some gossip. We'll take gossip. Because, I mean, who doesn't gossip, right? We're gonna, we'll take some gossip. Uh, uh, we'll take some greed. We're Americans. Uh, we'll, we'll take a, take a little take a little greed. Take a little greed. I mean, but I'm just telling you, we're. I'm, I'm gonna tell you what we're not gonna take. We're not gonna take transgender. We're not gonna. By God, we're not gonna take homosexuality. By God, we're, I'm just telling you right now. I grew up in a divorced home. We're not taking affairs. What we have to understand as a church is that everybody walking through that door is someone's son and daughter. And if the church raises a standard against broken people, then people will never be discipled and know truth. And when they walk in the door, they'll instantly feel judged, condemned, and rejected before they can hear. And so where the church has gone wrong is we've so clung to foundational truth. And I am for it. I'm going to get to my second one. At the expense of realizing that we are in a broken world and someone has turned to something in order to cope. We are going to love people. Regardless. You hear what I'm saying? That's what we're going to do. The second thing that we wanted to build our church on is truth. Because the Bible says that truth will set you free. Listen, a church that only loves has a bunch of babies. Okay? And the goal is we're not going to condemn you for sleeping with everybody, but we don't want you to come here and sleep with everybody. So, so we're, look, look we're, we're, you hear what I'm saying? Like, like we're not, we're, we're not going to, come on, is it, I'm not going to condemn anybody. I don't know your story and you don't know mine. But I know that we're both trying to fill a void. Okay? So here's the deal. Love covers it. Love covers it. 
And then the reason we want you to be in a life group, the reason we want you to, to get together with people that you can know is because we believe around the table you can share truth and biblical knowledge and people change in the midst of discipleship. Sure, we're going to have biblical teaching here. Sure, we're going to frame up right, wrong, victory, defeat. Sure, we're going to do that. But if you really think about when was the moment that changed your life, I don't think it was in a sermon. I think it was at a table. And I think at a table, someone explained to you what you couldn't get. And it was in a moment that they could share some truth. And the defenses were down because you were there for them. You, 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 this, this woman was uh, pregnant out of wedlock. You threw her uh, a baby shower. You go over there. You visit. You take care of her. You bring her milk. You love her regardless of where she's at. And then you, you get close close enough, come on, listen, where there is a conversation of why do you do that? And why do you do that? And why do you do that? And over time, everybody say time, over time, we're able to impart truth that will set people. Come on. I'm not talking about watering down the gospel. So don't come to me. Don't come to me with that. I will not water down the gospel. But when I had a baby, I didn't feed a mistake. And we cannot say that we are spirit discerning people if you just want to feed everybody a steak every time they walk in. For some of you, you need a steak. Get off your blessed assurance and come up to the table, start eating something, start growing because you've been on stage one for five years. Let's go. But for some of you, you'll choke on that meal and you need a sippy cup, baby. And come on, it's okay. No one's better or worse. Are you hearing me? And so for, for, for six years... We tried to grow a church with these two things, and uh, I was wrong. I wasn't wrong about love, and I was not wrong about truth, but it was incomplete. Um, there is a third, and you're going to see this a lot over the next year in our church. It is the anointing that breaks the yokes on people's life, and if we only do Love and truth. What you need to know is there is a spiritual noose around everybody's neck. And the enemy has been trying to destroy people. And that yoke of not being good enough, not measuring up, did not start at 19 or 20. It started at 6. It started at 7. It started with uh, two parents that worked. And I'm, 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 I'm not, I'm not, that, I'm, I'm just talking. I'm not foreshadowing what I think you should do. There was this moment and something got into the spirit and the heart of a young person. Come on, you hear what I'm saying? We thought there was protection and there wasn't. And something got in. And it is the anointing that breaks the yoke so that people can really feel and experience love. And then they are wanting to receive truth that can set them free. 
And we need all three. And you're going to experience, come on, all three in this church. And so if you're looking for a church and you're wanting to know who we are, um, we're probably not going to be the experience-driven church. I think you need experiences, and Katie and I are where we are because of the experiences that we've had, and I believe those experiences happen um, in a conference, in a moment. Come on, does that make sense? Like, you need experiences, but what we're hoping happens to you every time you come is that you have an encounter with God. That you encountered his love when you walked in. You encountered his presence in worship. And there was a moment, like 35 seconds within the worship, that you stopped thinking about yourself and who you're mad at and what you need to do next. And you had an encounter with God where you really got real with all the junk that's going on in your life. We hope that that opens up a moment for the word, for God to have an encounter and impart some truth in your life. And then lastly, listen, we want people to come to the altar. We want them to receive prayer want them to and sometimes you need to come for yourself sometimes you need to come for your mate and sometimes you need to come for your kids and sometimes you need to come for your friends but we do not want to go to the next phase because I do believe that God is going to grow this church. Not because I care about growth, because I care about health and I believe healthy things grow. I do believe that God's going to do that. But here is my concern. I would hate to grow a church that is full of pride because God says that he will exalt the humble but he will cast down the pride and if we have congregates that believe that coming up to prayer and receiving prayer is for all of those people then we are sitting back with our righteous indignation acting as if we can fix everything ourselves, and I am telling you you can't. Come on, you hearing me? We're going to have to get, we're going to have to overcome the threshold of scary, and we're going to have to start being a church that can say, I need prayer. I need prayer for my friend. I need prayer for my kids. I have no idea what to do. I've read all the books. I've tried to do everything. I've done time out. I've done spanking. I've done this. I've, t- I've, I've made them eat a kale. I have no idea what's going on. I have no idea what to do next. And if I don't get some Jesus up in this piece, then some, I'm just telling you, one of us ain't going to make it. Come on, is this good? All right. The anointing is what breaks the yokes. Now, let's read this. 1 Samuel 17, 14 through um, 17. There's no lights on this stage now. Uh, All right, here we go. 17, 14 through 38. David was the youngest. Everybody say youngest. Youngest. All right, all of my young people stand up. Under 18, stand up right where you're at. No, 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 no. Keep standing. Keep standing just for a second. Just for a second. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. We count it a privilege to be able to minister to you. And we believe that we're, this is our hope for you. That you are not growing up in church with a hard heart, but that there are moments where God captures your attention in worship. We're not trying to create gifted young people. We're trying to create young people who are strong on the outside and tender on the inside. You hear what I'm saying? That, that can break every lie that the enemy says 
and can grow up and be godly men and women in whatever your job is, whatever you are called to do. And so I want you to know that you're seen in this place and we value you. Come on, y'all have a seat. Let's have a seat. Okay, so here's the thing. All right, he was young. All right, Uh, three eldest followed Saul, but David went back and forth. David went back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Everybody say back and forth. It was just a normal day. Back and forth. Back and forth. I would go over here. I would go to Saul. I would go this. I would go Saul. I would go this. Why was David going back and forth? Well, here's the thing. is Saul was so tormented by the enemy in his thoughts and in his life that he needed some reprieve. So he would talk to his court, his people in the court, and he would say, man, what am I going to do? I need some help. And they heard about David. And David, listen to this. This is important. David would go back and forth, and he would play Before Saul, and he would release his anointing. I mean, probably not, but I don't know. And and, and when he released it, for that portion of time, all of the evil thoughts, all of the oppression, all of the anxiety, all of the worry would leave him. So he knew David, Saul knew David. That's important. Saul knew David. Okay. All right. Saul, uh, from Saul, to feed his father's sheep in Bethlehem. For 40 days, the Philistines came forward and took his hand morning and evening. Uh, uh, Sorry. Came forward and took his stand. Goliath stood up. They're getting ready to fight. And Jesse said to David, take to your brothers an ephra, which is a vessel. It's like a container of this grain. Ten loaves. Carry them quickly. Everybody say quickly. To the camp of your brothers. Also take ten cheeses to the commander of the thousands. Listen, I'm telling you, you will get further with honor than you will with criticism. You will find honor all throughout the Bible. Okay, but I don't have time to talk about that. Okay. Also, take these 10... We did that. Okay. Here, here's here's a, just a thought I want to give you before we go on. It is in the normal days that you learn how to develop victory. It is in the normal days, in the back and forth. Do you realize the tension that was going on in David? Do you realize he had an anointed moment in front of all of his brothers, and you don't think he's thinking when he's going back and forth? When is it going to happen? When is it my time? How will it happen? Did Samuel mess up? Did he make a mistake? How come other people do not see in me what God sees in me? Why why does no no one even knows my calling? Nobody even knows what's inside of me. I'm an errand boy. I'm a deliverer. It's like I'm I'm Uber before Uber was cool. I'm just delivering growth. I'm Walmart pickup. Back and forth. And, And here's the deal. Here's the deal. What I love about David is this is David never carried the attitude that what he was doing and who he was serving was unimportant hear me David was anointed and some of you have some dreams and visions that you feel like God has given you some of you want to see this victory and breakthrough some of you have this stuff burning inside of you and you actually are devaluing your days waiting on your dream but I need to tell you that it's in the normal days of routine every single day that you get to where the moment of victory happens 
If David had an attitude, hey, Jay, son, J Jesse, hey, hey, son, go take this. Take it yourself. I'm anointed, dog. What's up? I don't play. I ain't the cheese boy anymore. You know, I'm not going to make you call me king today, but get ready. It's coming. Why am I going to serve my brothers? I hate them. I don't even like all of them. They threw a party, didn't even invite me. You want me to go serve them? I hope to die. I'm not serving them at all. I'm not giving them no cheese. I'm going to eat the cheese. I'm going to eat the cheese and the crackers. I'm going to eat all of it. I'm going to show up. I'm going to be like, I don't know what happened. I might gain five, about five or ten pounds. It's all gone. I don't know what happened. Some of us are in a season where God is providing this tension in our life. And we are actually devaluing the normal days that we have. And I need you to know that these normal days are getting you ready for victory. These normal days are getting you ready for something incredible. Now, verse 19. Now Saul and all the men of Israel were in the valley of Elah fighting with the Philistines. It's funny that it said fighting because they weren't fighting. And David rose early in the morning and left the sheep. With the keeper and took the provisions and went. Uh, Y'all don't miss this. Come on. This is a parent lesson right here. And David rose early in the morning and left the sheep with the keeper. Can I just say you don't just leave? If you got responsibilities, you don't just leave. Even the anointed man of God who was the king knew that I'm not leaving without taking care of my responsibility. All you beliefs women, let me tell you something. You better get with the keepers. Uh, uh, and, and don't leave us without food. Don't leave us without a schedule. Don't get on that plane and leave us. And our kids are like, I'm supposed to be here. And I'm like, I'm sorry. I don't do mom. <laughs> we will have hot dogs every night. <laughs> the sheep left with the keeper as Jesse commanded. I love the fact that David is still under authority. David's about to be the authority, but he's still under authority. Can I tell you, you will never rise if you do not have, know how to submit to authority. And he came to the encampment as the host was going out to the battle line, shouting a war cry. And Israel and the Philistines drew up for battle um, against the army. And David left the things that he was in charge of with a keeper. Like, there's keepers everywhere. And uh, ran to the ranks and greeted his brothers. 23. And as he talked with them, behold, the champion, the Philistine, the Goliath, by name, came out of the ranks of the Philistines and spoke these words as he did before, like 40 days in a row. And David heard him, and all the men of Israel saw the man, and they fled from him because they were so afraid. And the men of Israel said, have you seen this dude? Surely he has come up to defy Israel, and the king will enrich the man who kills him with great riches and give his daughter and make his father's house free from Israel. In other words, it, it, whoever whoops this dude won't have to pay taxes. Come on, somebody. Send me to the fight. <laughs> and David said to the man who stood by him, what will be done for the... Hey, come on, parents. You know what I'm talking about? Like your kids are talking and you're not really listening. And then they say something. You're like, what? what? Say that again? You know, like David is running up and all the men are like looking at Goliath. And they're like, oh, no, no, uh, 
Like, people are running. I mean, you see him? He's so big. He's so big. Nine foot, nine inches. Yeah, no. Well, who's going to whoop him? I don't know, but here's what's going to happen. Man, whoever kills that dude, he is going to be wealthy. And he's going to get the king's daughter. He's going to get the king's daughter. What? She's fine. Oh, my goodness. I can't. Woo. And you know what else? They're going to free ta- No more taxes for the rest of your. No more taxes? Oh, my God. I, like, like, I need to fight for that. He can keep the daughter. I, just, I don't want no taxes. Come on, like, like you know, little, little McGuire, you had me at taxes. You know what I'm saying? Like, like you want to just say that first? I'll be rich if it, anyway. Okay, all right, sorry, sorry. I'm going on, I'm going on, I'm going on. Okay, 27. And the people answered him in the same way. In other words, they just told him what they just said. Now, Eliab, 28, listen to this. Eliab, his older brother, Heard when he was speaking to the men, and Eliam's anger was kindled against David and said, Why have you come? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your presumption and the evil in your heart, for you have come down to see this battle. What does Eliab know about David? That he is what? He is what? He's anointed. And so Eliab is like, I know why you're here. You probably talked dad into coming. You want to see us all die so you can finally get the kingdom. Have you ever been in the right place trying to do the wrong thing? Been in the right place trying to do the right thing and people think that you have the wrong motive? I don't know, I wish I could talk to some people who could have a little bit of authenticity. Because here David is, and that's not really his heart. And that's not really what he wants to see happen. And and, and if we're going to be totally transparent, there are days when maybe we have had the wrong motive. There are days when we did try to figure out how to work it in our best interest. But at this particular time, David is just enthralled with what's happening. And Eliab is projecting, saying... I know why you're really here. Drama will always intensify when a threshold is about to be broken. And I need to talk to somebody in the room. See, I believe that you're about to step into a threshold. I believe that you're about to move from one place into another place. I believe that there's going to be another season in your life. And anytime you're about to walk through the threshold of scary, the battle and the drama in your life, listen, are going to intensify. You're going to get a call from aunt so-and-so who you hadn't talked to. And come on, two Three months, five years, and all of a sudden, drama's going to start as you're getting ready to buy a house, and you're getting ready to do this, and you're getting ready to do this, and you're like, where has all of this come through? You're in a threshold, baby. You're in a threshold, sir. You're about to move into another position, and the enemy does not want good works to come out of you. Come on. Come on. Thank you. I feel like Tiger Woods. All right. We got to welcome the tension. Normal days will bring you thresholds, and you will need God to step through them. Think about this David was a shepherd, David was belittled, David was accused by having the wrong motive, he was attacked. David's normal day was about to launch a supernatural story. Church. We are in a supernatural story right 
now. That building a mile down the road on Olive, when we started our church, we moved from our house to an apartment complex into the first building that we had on Hudson. And the, the man who owned that building, Gaines Diedrich, I think his name was Gaines Diedrich, owned the building, and he just had a heart for Israel. And after, he came to our first service, and then after we were done, he gave me a certificate, and he said, I was praying for you, okay? I was praying for you, and God told me to plant an olive tree in Israel for you. And he said, he said this. He said, something about the olive tree is going to be something that you're going to see. We are buying a church on Olive Street. And we did not know. That was six and a half years ago. Come on, somebody. Come on. I was just, when I, I'm going to be honest, when I got it, I was like, thank you. I got, a, I, got a, I got a shawl and I got a certificate that said Olive Street, whatever. And I, I, at that moment, I was like, thank you. A check would have been better. <laughs> you know, like, you planting something over there, but we need some food up in here. But I had no idea. Come on. In 2021, as we were praying about what God was going to do, God kept speaking into my heart exceedingly abundantly, exceedingly abundantly, exceedingly abundantly. How many of y'all remember that? Come on, raise your hand. How many of y'all remember? Exceedingly abundantly, exceedingly abundantly. And I didn't know that God was going to grow my capacity to believe, to ask, to do. Since we've started this project, we've been able to invest a million dollars in cash. We've put that down. The equity on our building is so huge. I'm just telling you, and, and, and hopefully you've been to church enough. Yes, we're growing, and we are so excited, but a million extra dollars that are not used for operations? It's a miracle. We're in a God story. You have no idea... And the tension was there all the time. The tension of contractors, boards approval, getting finances, doing vision nights. Listen, praying about, waiting on when you were going to say, yes, God has spoken to me and we're going to give an X number amount. Like we, we, we were praying through all of that. Eric, our contractor, turned me down four times before he said yes. Hey man, you should build this. No. Hey man, you should build this. No. Hey, man, I really think you should build this. No. Finally, I was in the architect meeting with three other contractors, and the architect looked at me, and he said, why isn't Eric building this building? And I said, I have no idea why he's not building this building. And I called him one more time, and I said, I know you've said no four times. I just, have you prayed about it? And he's like, you know what? Over the last couple days, it's funny that you call me. And I'm like, it ain't funny to me. If I build this, we're going to have a tent with holes. All, all I'm trying to say is that the drama was intense the whole time. 
But thresholds have to be broken. And every time you go by Olive Street and you see our church, I need it to be a reminder in your own life that God is wanting to move you through another threshold. Don't quit. Welcome the tension. Welcome the tension. I'm not going to read the last part, but, I'm, but I am going to paraphrase it for the sake of time. Ben, go ahead and come up. Um, so David is talking about how he wants to like, like David wants to fight the giant. And because Saul knew David, he calls for him. And David says, King, look, <laughs> I'm going to go in and handle this for you. And the king is like, David, man, I appreciate you. You, you are such a blessing to me. But you're a youth. But um, like Goliath has been fighting since he was a youth. And you cannot go up and you cannot beat him. And David, without hesitation, in the presence of majesty and might, he says, dear king, I'm a shepherd. And I need you to know that I don't come before you with an idea. I come before you with a spiritual resume. And I'm not just like dreaming about what could be cool. I need to tell you that as I was a shepherd, a lion and a bear tried to come up and steal the sheep, sheep from me. But there's an anointing on my life. And when the bear came to steal what was given to me, I killed the bear. And when the lion came, I killed the lion. And I need you to know that while this beast standing in front of us is incredibly intense, before you is someone who has some spiritual stories. And I believe what God did in the past, God's going to do again. Come on, somebody. And I need to know... I'm your man. I can do it because I know who's in me. And there's some of you here that I just need to stop and pause. Some of you are so courageous and you are so want to go fight your Goliath. But I need you to sit and I need you to develop your spiritual resume. Stop going to fight Goliath when you've not beat your bear. Your bear could be your mouth. Your lion could be your attitude. I don't know what you need to start letting... God move in victory in but some of you Goliath is not your next option it's not your next battle you need to go fight this cub you hear me see the anointing will make a difference in your life I'm going to give you two verses and then we're going to be done are y'all everybody okay sorry I'm sorry it's long today I just got a lot to say Mark chapter 1, verse 35 and 39. It'll be on the screens. This is Jesus. He says, And rising every morning, early in the morning, it was still dark. He prepared and went out in a desolate place, and he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him were searching for him. And they said, Jesus, like everybody's looking for you. And Jesus said, Let us go to the next town that I may preach there, for this is what I came to do. Look at this, 39. And he went throughout Galilee, preaching in the synagogue and casting out demons. Preaching in the synagogue and casting out demons. Come on, come on, I've got one more thought for you. Matthew 4, 9 through 11. And he said to him, this is, G this is the enemy, this is Satan. 
all these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord God, and him only will you serve. And the devil left him, and the angels, everybody say angels, came and ministered to him. If Jesus battled the enemy, if Jesus saw people battle the enemy, if Saul battled the enemy, there will be moments in your life when you will be attacked and oppressed by the enemy. And this is why Jesus came to do what he came to do. I'm going to preach the word of God and I'm going to cast out every wrong thought, demonic thinking, every lie, because he knew the people were not full of the anointing. And the anointing is what breaks the yokes. Hear what I'm saying? And Jesus was having this awesome work because people were oppressed. When we are saved, the Holy Spirit resides. That's why salvation is so important. It frees you from eternity, but it helps you walk in victory today. Come on. And I just need you to know that this morning when I was praying... I wrote down four or five things that I felt like God was putting on my heart. There are some people in here, you have been extremely heavy. Heavy. Some people here, you're angry and you have no idea why. But there's anger in your house. There's anger. There, it's been a long time since there's been peace. Some of you, you're restless. And there is no peace. Listen, and you're restless. And people think, oh, well, you're just busy and you like to get, do a lot of things. But the truth is, you don't want to stop and have a moment of silence or rest. You want to stay busy because then I'm not tormented. Some of you, you have an incredible family that loves you and you actually believe nobody cares about you. When they tell you every single day how much they love you and they tell you how much, how special you are, like you are in a, in a place where you are being fed these lies from the enemy and you actually believe that nobody really cares about you. There's someone here that you're struggling with control. You're struggling. You're trying to control everybody else in your life, hoping that if you do good enough and you fix everything, no one will get hurt. And I need to tell you that for this church to be everything that it's supposed to be, we're going to have to have love, we're going to have to have truth, and we're going to have to have the anointing. And there is this collar, and the only one to take that collar off is the Lord. And so what when you wake up, What's doing this to you? Dog leash, collar, that has to be broken so that you can be free. Come on, everybody stand up. Come. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear how this message impacted you. Feel free to let us know on the Contact Us tab of the house website. We hope you have a great week.